Welcome to the Financial MD Show. This is the only podcast designed specifically for residents and young physicians to help you become educated on financial planning for physicians and avoid many of the common financial mistakes doctors make. Your hosts, John and Trevor, explore a different topic with each episode. John Salitro is a financial planner and certified financial education instructor. He's been working with young physicians for the better part of a decade and lectures to graduate medical programs around the country. Dr. Trevor Smith is a board-certified ophthalmologist with a full-time practice, and he has learned the ins and outs firsthand, what it takes to make smart financial decisions as a young physician. And now, here's your hosts, John and Trevor. Welcome to episode 19 of the Financial MD Show. This is a deep topic that we're diving into today. Trevor and I are going to discuss matters of estate planning. Many of you have heard this term but aren't exactly sure what it means because we hear this every day as we get to the point in the financial planning process of, okay, we've gone through everything from budget to insurance to investing to planning for the future and all these things. And then if we look way at the end of the road, the end of the tunnel, what happens then? And how do we make sure that what you want to have happen does actually happen? So we're going to discuss that. I'm going to enlighten Trevor on a few things. We're going to have some jokes about it because it's got to be a funny topic. But um, subscribe if you haven't. Leave a review. Please share with a friend. Sit down. Enjoy the show. What happens after you die is the question that we're addressing today. And uh, (laughs) we're going to try to keep it narrowly in the scope of financially. Um, spiritually, that's, uh, there's probably other podcasts we can recommend for that, but, uh, on financial MD, we're going to talk about what happens after you die. And the answer to that is our typical legal approach of, well, that depends. Um, Mm -hmm. so on our show, of course, we have Dr. Trevor Smith giving us as always the valuable yet slightly more informed physician opinion, uh, and, experience and then myself john salitro we're gonna we're gonna talk about this so we're gonna we're in a unique situation where um trevor may be in the position that many other physicians are in from a knowledge standpoint of estate planning and uh so he's gonna approach it as though he's an estate planning dummy and ask some questions and we'll we'll try to do a kind of an estate planning for dummies show and try to Keep it very simple because it can get very complicated. Um, you know, people get in tired degrees in this thing. Decline that call. Um, <clears throat> all right. So um, first question that pops into your mind, Trevor, when it comes to what happens to your money after you die or your stuff. Big picture. Um, I'd like to know in terms of. Uh, I think the main thing is a question of, and you see, we see a lot of this in the news right now. We were just talking about taxes and potential Biden tax uh, changes that are, that are coming up the pipeline. We don't know if they'll occur. So there's not really much to do. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe good to read about maybe clickbait. Probably a lot of articles are clickbait on this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but what, what, what gets taxed after I die? I mean, that's the question. I mean, if you're going to leave your money to somebody else, whether it's a charity or individual, children, um, spouse, partner, whatever it is, um, not everything gets taxed, 
even if you have a lot of money, as far as I understand. Um, but I am early enough in my career and I don't have dependents. So it's not something I spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, but, you know, right now for me as a, as a single adult, it's, you know, filing a single, it's very, it's pretty simple, you know, just like the accounts I have are going to go to somebody else. And a lot of the banks and whatnot, you just write a beneficiary down. Mm -hmm. brother sister parent whatever right um friend i mean you can just pick friends you can pick whatever you want you can give things away to people um and you barely even as far as i understand need a will um but i know there's pros and cons of having one for specific items so i would like to know at first uh what is taxed and then i would like to know what is an estate <laughs> okay and, and and then that fits right into that yeah so <clears throat> What is taxed? Um, maybe I'll start with the second question. What is an estate? So there are most things when you die will be in your estate. Estate means anything that really needs to get settled or given to somebody or dealt with after you die. Um, now, there are some things that are inherently out of your estate, specifically a 529 plan. If you started one for your kids or somebody else, that will be out of your estate as soon as you die and doesn't get counted in terms of when you say out of estate, that typically what that means to an attorney or anyone who's dealing with this is what counts towards estate planning or not estate planning, estate taxes. Um, we're in an environment right now where it doesn't get talked about that much because currently the threshold of your net worth above which you would have to pay estate taxes and estate taxes are typically about 40% is 11 million and some change for a single individual uh, or basically 22 million, 23 million for a couple. So if your net worth is more than that when you die, then yeah, you have to think about estate taxes and what's in your estate. And that's everything, house, land, bank accounts, IRAs, uh, life insurance, um, any kind of assets that you own or have any ownership in. Um, whatever you're worth. Uh, more specifically, if you're a business owner, this really comes into play. Because if you don't have a lot of stuff, or I just got a house and some money, and uh, you know I got 5 million bucks and savings and house and all those things. Okay, that's not that uncommon in this world. But then, uh, so what do you do for a living? Well, I own a company that's, you know, probably if I had mm -hmm. to value it, is worth 50 million. But, you know, mm -hmm. uh, well, that is part of your estate. That's part of what you own. So that's a big deal. Mm. So mm -hmm. a lot of estate planning when it comes to business owners is how do I get this business out of my name before I die, essentially, or just be prepared to pay the estate taxes because um, whoever inherits it is going to have to pay them. I mean, we've got stories and you can see horror stories of uh, Michael Jackson's estate to um, what other estates were terribly managed. Um Oh, one interesting example uh, who I think did it well. Um, do you remember um, Aaron Spelling? Uh, mm -hmm. TV producer, Melrose Place, Beverly Hills 90210, that kind of stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So uh, he died recently and um, his estate was structured in such a way his daughter, Tori Spelling, um, was kind of a mess growing up. And 
he had set aside a trust that was very specific as to, and it was multi millions of dollars, but all she could get was a certain salary every year out of that. She couldn't just pull a million bucks out and do something with it, but she could pull a million bucks out to donate it or start a business or do stuff like that. So he had very clear trust and estate planning documentation set up. Now, not a lot of us have to go to that extent, but you could have any kind of jackass in your family that if you've got $100,000 that goes to them, you know, they're going to blow it. And uh, so back to the original question, what's in an estate? Anything you have ownership in, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple of things that are specifically out of the estate. And then kind of more specifically, what is um, a probate asset and what's out of probate? If something clearly has a beneficiary on it, life insurance, IRAs, 401ks, stuff like that, that is stays out of probate. But if you don't have a will or a trust and you have stuff that doesn't have a beneficiary on it, house, bank accounts, cars, like that stuff, that'll go into probate and a probate judge will decide who gets what and how much and that kind of thing. Plus, you typically will pay 3% of what goes into probate as a probate tax and stuff. So people want to try to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of, you know, so when it comes to what's taxable in a worst case scenario, there's probate tax, but then in a scenario where you own a bunch of stuff, business things, whatever, totaling over 11 million, there's a state tax. But what most people are going to deal with is um, things are going to get transferred fairly without tax unless it has never been taxed. So we have two scenarios mm-hmm. there. So a qualified account, a 401k and IRA, things like that, basically a retirement investment account, those have usually never been taxed, right? We've talked about before money goes in pre-tax, then you die, your son, daughter gets it. Um, what changed in 20, 2019, 2020 was the SECURE Act, which changed it so that as soon as you inherit something, you got 10 years to get it out of there and pay taxes on it. So 401ks, IRAs, things like that specifically. Um, Life insurance death benefit is not income taxable when you get it. Now, if it's over 11 million, then yes, there's a portion that would be estate taxed. But yeah, the whole beauty of life insurance is the tax-free nature of it for the vast majority of people. Okay. Um, I didn't realize that. Yep. So it's kind of, and some people look at it, a lot of middle America will have uh, a lot of money in 401ks and IRAs at the end of their life. Right. That they say, here, son or daughter, you can have this after I die. And also here's a little life insurance policy to cover the taxes on this. That's kind of that kind of strategy sometimes. Interesting. So I thought that uh, retirement accounts were not taxed, actually. Uh, They are. Yep. When you pull them out. And it used to be you'd get what's called an inherited IRA or an inherited 401k, which would then have a, uh, or it Uh could be called a stretch IRA, which means you could stretch it to your life expectancy. And the IRS has these formulas and tables to say, here's how long we think you're going to live based on how old you are. And Uh we're going to give you a formula formula so that if you make it to your estimated life expectancy, you will have completely liquidated that account and paid taxes on all of it. So- 
for example, typical 65-year-old has what's called, well, I think typical 72-year-old, we'll say, because that's the age when you have to start taking money out of your IRA or your 401k. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's called a required minimum distribution. Um, but at that age, 25.6 is the typical um, multiple, I guess, or divisor, I don't know to call it. But you basically take, if you have $100,000 in your IRA, you divide it by 25.6, and that's how much you have to take out this year. And then each year that amount goes up a little bit. It comes to about 27 to 3% the first year and then bumps up a little bit every year after that. Mm-hmm. The point is you have to, uh, <clears throat> you got to take that out and then pay tax on it. That's why. So um, IRAs yeah, are taxable, 401ks, right. Roth IRAs, different story. That's all tax-free. Um, so if you inherit a Roth, mm-hmm, if you inherit a Roth, you still got to take mm-hmm. it out, but you don't have to pay taxes on it because the government's when like, you- fine. Oh, okay. So it can't keep growing tax free. Exactly. You can take it out immediately all at once, or is it in? in no, it's still time? the 10 year window, I believe. Okay. Got it. So the, the new Secure Act made everything a 10 year window? Correct. For almost everybody. Okay. Um, ah, okay. There are what's called eligible designated beneficiaries, which are disabled mm-hmm. um, beneficiaries, uh, spouses. Mm-hmm. And any beneficiary that's less than 10 years younger than you. In okay. that case, then, they keep okay. a stretch provision that says, here, you have to take some out every year, but you can stretch it out over your lifetime. Oh, okay. Yep. So All right. um, that makes sense. I'll give you a specific context yeah. just to add a little flavor here. Um, I like to jump into Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my handle is the same there. Trevor Smith, MD at okay. Trevor Smith, MD. Yep. I've been in there a few me. times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, occasionally I'll hop on stage and, and chat with Bitcoiner people about stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about ways to pass on your Bitcoin and, and Bitcoiners are not afraid to get creative. Um, mm. and there's like a small contingent of Bitcoin folks that are basically willing to break the law. We don't like mm-hmm. those people. Okay. So that's a bad mm-hmm. look for for a great asset so like avoiding taxes is not part of the ethos of of bitcoin it's supposed to be a good store of value you can buy more later with it than you can buy today i mean that's a simple kind of that's that's like what good money would be regardless of it's bitcoin or not so uh, we were talking about how do you give it to your kids right especially when it's going to be worth more later um down the line let's say 30 years from now what's it going to be worth so um one of the things we talked about was gift taxes. So you can give up to $15,000 per year to anybody in your immediate family. Correct. Um, And we were, we were just kind of saying like $15,000 in Bitcoin, if it keeps to go, keeps going up in an exponential or parabolic manner, it's almost like you can give substantial pieces of wealth to your children Mm -hmm. just by giving them 15, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever amount 15,000 is at the time of the gift. So like earlier this year, Bitcoin is at like 30,000. So you could give half a Bitcoin to your kids and nobody would have to pay any taxes on it. Yep. Um, it was kind of like a workaround, almost like a, like an early inheritance. Um, and the context was, okay, what would make that make sense? Like you'd have to have a great relationship with your kids, your, your, you with your parents or your parents with you. 
um, to do that. And then you mm-hmm. also want to like the idea, idea there is that it's inheritance. So like, don't spend it, you yep. know? So, but if you have the context where your kids are responsible, they're not going to spend it. Um, Bitcoin is unique too, because you can gift it to somebody and then somebody else can custody it as well. Yep. So you can almost do like trust level gifts where it's controlled, mm-hmm. pay no taxes, and then actually not really physically handed off to the individual until later. Yep. Um, that was a little bit more advanced than I intended it to be. But just in general, think of it in US dollar terms, just giving cash. You can give 15000 a year and they don't pay taxes on it. Yeah. And you can kind of just, if you have $30 million, that's not going to move the needle for you, right? To avoid, to limit your taxes that you pay after death. Right. But if you've got like $5 million and you think you're going to double again in 10 years and you might be flirting with that level of $10 million, $11 million, and then they're going to gouge 40%, you know, Four million, mm-hmm. roughly, out of ten. Mm-hmm. Then, like, starting to give some early, tax-free, with gift tax was. We were just talking about that. I'd be curious what your thoughts are on that. Do people do people do that often, or do they just kind of not mess with it and just do like trusts? How do they? How do you transfer wealth? Um, so, <clears throat> is Bitcoin kids? a capital asset to where if you buy it and sell it, it's a capital gains tax or income? Absolutely, tax? it's treated just like real estate long-term and short-term gains. And then, and the other thing is you can spend Bitcoin. Uh, That's the same thing as a sale. So like uh, anytime you transfer it to somebody else, it's a taxable event. It's a capital gains event. Uh, It just depends on how long you've held it, whether it's long-term or short-term. And then you get a higher or lower tax bracket based on that. Those are Googleable on the IRS website. And Mm-hmm. Currently, they're like uh, you're, it's if it's short term, less than a year, you pay your income tax rate. Right. Generally, if you're making good money, like a doctor, and then uh, if it's long term after a year, then you're paying uh, either fifteen or twenty percent. The more you make, then you're in the twenty percent category. So yeah. usually, long term gain percent. Correct. So it, typical, yeah. It depends on the type of asset. So most capital assets like that, stocks, real estate, Bitcoin, um, as of today, October of 2021, there's something called a step up in basis, which is one of the most advisable things is to not gift stuff before you die. Because when you gift something, your basis becomes their basis, which means, okay, great. You didn't gift it to them to sell, but if they do, they're going to pay taxes on the growth that you had. So you bought it at, you know, you bought, you bought Bitcoin at 40,000 and they sell it at 60. They've got 20,000 in gains. That's taxable gains. That's a recognized gain that they have to pay taxes on. Um, But if you wait till you die and Bitcoin's at 60,000, their new basis is 60,000. And if they sell it that day when it's 60,000, then no taxes for them. Same thing with a house, same thing with that, stocks in a brokerage account. That is critical information. That's very helpful because that shifts. You could kind of do a bit of both. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I think Bitcoin is going to, each one's going to be worth a million dollars plus, somewhere between mm-hmm. a million and five million each mm-hmm. um, at some point in the future. Uh, it could be, you know, in the range of 12 years from now is kind of what I picture just based on the supply and demand curve, but it could be well down the road. Um, 
but handing some off is good. But like having that step up in bases, mm-hmm. that's massive. That is, that is incredibly massive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you're going to sell it at some point. So, well, and that's why um, that's been a very longstanding law and mm-hmm. the Biden mm-hmm. administration has discussed eliminating step up in basis. So that's wow. a big deal. Yep. Huge deal. And that's the thing that wouldn't just affect high net worth people that affects anybody. I mean, if you inherit mm-hmm. your parents' house and you know, everybody does that, then there's a step up in mm-hmm. basis issue there, you know? <clears throat> so that's why it's typically better to inherit or bequeath something rather than gift it. Because if you give something before you die, they take on your basis, which means more taxes for them. So I've had clients ask me all the time about, hey, should I just put my house in my kid's name? Would that be easier when I die? Well, if you do that, you've effectively gifted it to them. And now they have your basis, no step up in basis. And uh, you're going to owe the government more than you should. So step up in basis becomes a huge question. Okay. So just to like hammer it home, make sure I understand. So if I got, if my, one of my parents passed away and they had shares of Tesla and let's Mm -hmm. say they had one share and it was $200 Mm -hmm. and I bought it 10 years ago. And then now it's worth a thousand. If they gifted it to me before they passed away, I would have the basis of $200. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And now that's wait, outside of an IRA or a qualified plan. That's like a brokerage correct, account, correct. just Robin Hood or whatever. Yeah. Tax uh, taxable accounts. Taxable so, account. Yeah, they're technically called taxable accounts, but you might just call it yeah, like a regular non-retirement account. Yeah, kind of a tax as you go account, you could say, where you have to pay taxes yeah. every year. Taxes you go is a really that's actually a very helpful mm-hmm. common sense term. Um okay. Cool. That's helpful. Yeah. What are the other, uh, go ahead. Well, the gift tax, your gift tax point is another one. Gift tax is not a thing until, uh, $11 million either. So you've got an $11 million of stuff you can gift. The reason the 15,000 is there. If you keep it under 15,000 a year, you don't have to report it. But if you gift something that's worth more than $15,000, you have to fill out a gift tax return, um, schedule on your tax returns that year and the IRS keeps track. And if you get to the point where you gift more than uh, $11 million worth of stuff, then you got to pay taxes on that. Oh, so you can give more, but don't you have to pay taxes on it though? Mm-mm. If you give more, if you give more than what? 15. Yeah. I thought you had to pay taxes on it. Nope. I thought so too, but you just have to, uh, report it just have to report it and that's a maximum of 11 million and it starts counting towards your um what they call a gift tax exclusion or exemption so interesting um, yeah pretty sure disclosure i'm not a tax professional i'm just deep in the weeds of the cfp right now and i hope that's true because that's how i'm gonna answer it on the cfp exam next month but that's what (laughs) it's been uh that's what i understood and the tax planning course that I've been going through. Um, you know, I don't see issues like that that often. That's why. Um, so when I try to keep clients under that 15,000 and it comes up, like I had a woman that wanted to gift, you know, 15,000 into her granddaughter's 529 plan. That's a gift. Uh, 
um, she wanted to just, so she was 72, 73. She had to take a required minimum distribution from her IRA. And she said, can I just, instead of taking this, can I put it in my granddaughter's 529 plan? Yeah, you can. You still have to count it as income. So it's not like you just bypassed you, but um, it still comes to you. And then you can put in the 529 plan. But her RMD was like $18,000 or something, which was going to be over, which meant we were going to have to file a gift tax return. Um, so what we did was we had the investment company withhold the taxes on that, like 20% for taxes. So it came out to like 14000 or something was the actual check that she got, which is great because now it's under the 15000 and she can kind of stay under the radar with that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's that's how that works. There's a gift tax exemption amount as well as an estate tax exemption amount. And they're both kind of around that 11 million. In fact, we can kind of confirm this with the ultimate tax planner, Google. Um, gift tax. Yeah, eleven million five hundred and eighty thousand. There you go. Is the limit. Mm-hmm. Hmm. They're similar because people, you know, would try to gift stuff to get it out of their estate. It's like, well, here's how we fix that. Oh, interesting. No incentive. Yep. Yeah, that's wild. So, um, in general, for most people with estate planning, how do you, the question becomes then, how do I, how do I dictate what happens after I die with my stuff? Um, a will is the most basic way to do that. Um, that just gives directions to an executor. Um, but if you've got young dependents or you've got some other specific plans or things like that, you can establish a trust and a trust when you die a trust creates a separate entity with its own social security number where all of your assets, if they're properly named and titled and beneficiary and everything go into that trust. So now this trust hold it, this trust has to file its own tax return. It has a trustee whom you've given specific instructions on what to do with this and when and how, and um, you know, it'll bypass all the probate stuff potentially because there's some things that just have to go through probate unless you set up a trust. So, um, that is something you want to, I recommend typically just getting a trust done. It can be two to three to $4,000, but, mm-hmm. um, when people are at that point in life where they've got a spouse or dependents or enough stuff that they want to, you know, make sure some very specific directives are done when they die, then mm-hmm. that's where a trust makes sense. And I recommend using an estate planning attorney. Uh, rather than just a random attorney, um, you know, it just helps to make sure they are specialists and a lot of experience in what this is. What, how much money do you have to have to make it worth having a trust? Um, 
you got to think of life insurance face amount in there as well, or death benefit. Uh, so let's take, for example, uh, if you're a resident and I'm talking to you, um, most of my residents, if they're, especially if they're married, even if they don't have kids, like they're going to have a million bucks or 2 million bucks in life insurance and assets and everything all together. So at that point, yeah, gosh, what's the dollar amount? Um, Cause you're paying a couple grand for it. That's the context I'm thinking in. Like, you know, like if I have, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, I would say it's not so much dollar amount, but complexity of your estate and your assets and your whole makeup of what you have, you know, mm-hmm. if it's just house and car or you're renting and just got a car, then yeah, you know, um, but as you start to accumulate assets that, you know, that's a different, that's a different story. So I don't, I don't know. That's a tough mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. I just say, yeah. uh, probably, I don't know. I guess I can't Let answer Let me ask that. you differently. How do you determine who of your clients should have a trust? For sure. If you've got uh, minor children. Um, and what's the reason behind that? Because so get the money like immediately or something. Just yeah. On them. The other option is if you don't, then the court's going to establish a, a guardian or a custodian that's going to have more freedom and flexibility around whatever assets that you've set up or you have left over and um got it it's just safer for the trustee it's safer for the kids if you just put it in a trust that's very kind of regimented and controlled and yeah has specific language because then with a trust you can say okay i want my kids to get this much at 18 this much at 25 this much at 30 like you can dictate directions like that got it you can probably even do like percentages or absolute amounts things like Mm -hmm. that like Mm-hmm. If it grows super fast, then you're like, oh, I didn't know, you know, this account was going to be $30 million. I mean, yep. be, that's a great problem to have, but um, you probably don't want an 18 year old getting a third of that, like up front exactly. or something. I mean, even, yeah, a hundred grand to an 18 year old is. Exactly. Oh yeah. So true. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just a massive amount of money. I mean, can you yep. imagine <laughs> that wouldn't last very long? No, I know. And it's, it's been done so many times and. I bet you know, it's kind of the default, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is the default if you don't set up any other rules. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's important to remember the defaults, the defaults on how money is treated is pretty horrendous. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't just kind of let it go and be like, well, I'm sure the government set up different defaults. That'll make sure this, you know, gets handled in a different way. No. And yeah. that government would say, oh, that's on you, buddy. Like, we just yeah. want to get our taxes. So, yeah, that's all. Yeah, it's, it is important to remember the IRS isn't there to, it's, <laughs> there is no, there's no benefit really uh, to the individual. Um, they just collect taxes. Their do. job is to generate revenue for the United States government. So for the government. Keep that in mind. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's the way to say it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That is the for-profit arm of the federal government. <laughs> so, huh? I've never thought of it like that either. Those are both really good. Well, that was like, yeah, I've had um, when I've had dealing huh. with regulatory bodies like uh, FINRA, the SEC, or something like that. Like, um, 
take FINRA, for example. Um, FINRA is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. Every advisor or at least broker um, is regulated by them to where they can levy fines and penalties on you for different stuff and sometimes dumb stuff. I don't mind saying that. But um, I was talking to an attorney about it one time and he's, and I was like, like, what could, you know, what's the likelihood, you know, how do they typically look at this attitude wise? And he said, well, you got to look at it this way. Um, FINRA is a, what's called a, it's actually a, a private organization, so to speak. It's a self-regulatory um, organization that doesn't necessarily get funded by taxpayers. It gets funded by fines and penalties. So you can imagine that they're a little more, you know, they're not going to be just like, eh, sure. We'll let that go without a fine or a penalty. You know, it's like, that's how they make money. So is that a conflict of interest? Probably. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So if it's an easy wow. opportunity for them to collect a penalty or a fine, they probably will. You think the SEC is similar? Like the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission, they, the positive optimistic view is that they're trying to protect investors from malinvestment. So correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, common example I hear is like, you can't Burger Burger King can't claim that the Whopper cures cancer. And so because of that, people <laughs> can trust a lot of marketing in the United States. There's yep. even like a false sense of security Yep. that like, if somebody says something's true, you can trust that it's true. And that's not always the case, but they're one of the ones that enforce that type of thing. Um, And then they also determine like, you can't smell, you can't (laughs) sell snake oil. So you, and I'm saying that in a sense of like uh, people selling shares of a company, like you can't, you can't fleece people. You can't say, Oh, buy into my company. We're going to do this and then just disappear. Um, They determine that you selling parts of a company is a security Yep. And so they're trying to protect American investors from being ripped off. Yep. So there's some good, I'd say the SEC is not all bad, uh, but there's certainly, because there's rules and there's a lot of money to be made, it gets gamified a bit. So there ends up being certain ways to play the system and have winners and losers mm-hmm. um, in terms of companies going public and being tradable and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. The whole conversation around a SPAC, um, yeah. is where allowed companies to go public without really going through the whole IPO um, filing process and then filing their um, S and mm-hmm. filing their just all that kind of stuff. Um, that's a way to kind of get around that sort of. They kind of would get mm-hmm. go public in a bundle sort of, you know, and they'd get to mm-hmm. get around some of those. Um, oh, what do they call these? Their, uh, the name of the disclosures that they would have to file when they go public mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that's right yeah, yeah. they don't have probably to really have much yeah it's cheaper it's faster is the main thing i think faster right 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 yeah. so all right well i think we are probably out of time um but yeah that ended up being a really uh beneficial conversation <laughs> that was i yeah it, it's amazing the estate stuff is a lot to think about and um just the basic big picture stuff that you shared on yeah retirement accounts and life insurance not being taxable. I mean, yeah. Um, again, you know, I say this all the time. I'm like not a normal person in the sense that I think insurance is amazing and really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just, 
it's such a good product. Like for the things that we buy, like we buy a car and it's so worthless so quickly, mm-hmm. yep. or you buy a computer and it's out of date in two years. Like you can spend money on insurance year after year. And man, that thing's going to pay you out. Like for what you're paying, you get a lot out of it. And yeah, mm-hmm. the industry, the people at the top of those companies, they make a crap ton of money. They could charge less. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, man, you get a lot out of a contract with an insurance, a really reliable long-term insurance company. Um, and the fact that it's not taxable for life insurance, is just a pretty remarkable product. We're fortunate to be yeah. a country where, you know, it'd be enforceable. You would, your, your family would get paid. It's, yep. it's very cool. That's, that's a level of, um, assurance you can have that a very large portion of the world does not get um, to know that your family will have the money that they need to survive. If you, if you as long as you made the right away. choices along the way. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's not even that expensive. It's not hard to get approved. It's like, that's a sweet product. Yeah. No. And that's, I mean, uh, just a general advice note that I don't mind giving like life insurance for sure. It's a no brainer term insurance, a 20 year term policy for a 30 year old male, let's say it's probably 60, 50 bucks a month for $2 million of 20 year term. Like it's so cheap. And these days, um, there's a couple companies out there that will get it. Sometimes you can get approved in 10 minutes if you're healthy and boom, you got a policy. Mm-hmm. Like that's all over the yep. board now. So there's no excuse. If you die without life insurance, it's like, hmm, that's, it's so easy and cheap to make sure that your family's taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or a, a charity or a ministry or a mission or any of these kind of things. Like I grew up always believing in life insurance because my dad was in the life insurance business and just always felt thought, thought like, boy, that's a cheap way to make sure that, you know, things you care about, people you care about are, are set. Um, I don't know. I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. So if it was, a, if, I wish it was a mandatory thing. There would be a lot less people dependent on the government, I think, on just different programs. Because what if every parent had life insurance for their kids and, you know, I've just heard so many stories where, yeah, my dad died uh, when I was young and my mom had to work three jobs and he didn't have life insurance. Right. And we just, I was raising my brothers and sisters and, you know, it's, oh yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Trevor. Love the conversation as always. Um, for those of you out there listening, hope this helps. Um, be sure to get to financialmd.com for more info. Uh, join us for our weekly didactic minute videos. Those can be found on YouTube um, and Facebook. And then we've got some upright versions on TikTok and Instagram uh, to get uh, just your, your weekly two minutes of good financial info. Join the Financial MD community on Facebook where the conversation is happening. Uh, we're sharing articles and resources that would be helpful to you as physicians. And then um, subscribe to this podcast and share it. Please share this stuff. If you think the information is good, get it out there. All right. So have a great week. We'll see you next time, Trevor. Uh, stay healthy, man. And uh, get back in shape. Hello. Thanks, John. All right. Yeah. See you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another Financial MD show. Be sure to head over to FinancialMD.com to get more in-depth resources on financial tips for physicians. And don't forget to join the Financial MD community group on Facebook, where physicians at all stages of their career gather to share tips and get ideas on achieving true financial success. We'll see you next time.
The Financial MD show is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to invest, is not financial, tax, or legal advice. Be sure to seek financial, legal, or tax professionals when making any financial decisions. Before investing, you should make sure that any investment strategy or investment meets your individual investment needs, goals, and objectives. Financial MD makes no claims or guarantees to individual investment performance. All investing involves the risk of loss as well as the potential for gain.